Hi guys, I've just been interviewed by UK Investor Magazine. Um, as we well know, there is a pending looming recession and I've been talking in my podcast, my YouTube uh, video uh, videos that um, Richard Hamilton in the art market is definitely a place for people to consider safeguarding their money as well as making a profit from. UK Investor saw this, reached out to us and rather than me interviewing someone, which I typically do, uh, I've got the chance to be the interviewee and express a bit more about Woodbury House, our vision of our company, and more importantly, where we believe the market's gonna go. So I hope you find this interview very, very exciting, useful, and educational. If you've seen this on Instagram, please go over to the YouTube channel and watch the full version. And if you get a chance, leave a comment, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. And eventually, when you can, book an appointment, come down to our studio. We'd like to meet you face to face. Be happy, never content. So, Today, we're at the Woodbury House Art Studio with Steve Sully, who is the co-founder mm -hmm. of uh, Woodbury House. So we're here to discuss the art market and in particular, what Woodbury House themselves are doing and the trends uh, in the art market for 2020. So Steve, could you give us a brief history of Woodbury House and how you find yourselves here today. Yeah, so um, I've said this story multiple mm -hmm. times, but um, found me and my business partner found ourselves by chance getting into it. Um, we personally didn't have a, a sort of plan to get into the art market. Our background is in sales and marketing, so we have marketing um, companies, and a very art, a large art dealer via a mutual friend of ours approached us. He is one of the largest art dealers in, in street art in the world, very successful person, and he basically was quizzing us about what we've done, and he kind of, in, in, in some roundabout way, didn't kind of believe how we went about doing business because in his world it's completely different it's a lot of face to face and stuff like that so anyway he said to us look i represent a few key artists one of them is called richard hambleton i said okay and he said um i've got some entry point um pieces original pieces if i give you these pieces a big inventory let's see if you can sell it for me i said okay i'll give it a go i watched the trailer to the shadow man documentary and um, that is his a film that was re released a few years ago is now on Amazon Prime and I fell in love with the story gave it to the sales uh, team they also fell in love with the story they'd, they'd done their own research and within about six seven weeks we had sold a whole entire lot of the inventory and basically he turned around to us and went bloody hell boys you've, you've, you've got a business here why don't you set up a company and I'll mentor you through the process so with that, we set up Woodbury House, and our first show that we did was in 2015 in Dubai with a restaurant called La Catina de Foie Bois. Okay. Um, I think we were one of the only companies ever in history to take Richard Hamilton original artwork to the UAE, and it was an absolute success. Um, a little bit of background on, on the restaurant, they've got their first original re restaurant in uh, Paris. And I don't know this for a fact, but the rumor has it that they sell more artwork in their restaurant gallery, because it's like a restaurant gallery in there, than any other gallery combined in the whole of Paris in, in one year. So very, very successful brand. They took it to Dubai to replicate that, that kind of film. We were one of the first companies to go over there and do, do a show. It was absolutely blinding. Um, we, we sold, obviously, some, some pieces. Uh, we got into some major publications over there. And then they invited me 
onto Dubai Eye, the biggest financial radio station, which I gotta be honest, I was you know, very nervous. Um, I was fairly new to the art market anyway, but we had a passion, we had a belief, we wanted to do things slightly different to the conventional way of you know, the art, how the art market operates, and we just ran with it. A year later, we'd done a show in Mexico City uh, with a really established gallery there called LS Galleria via a good friend of ours called a guy called Jose who's very well connected got a very large family in in, um, in, in Mexico that also was a huge success we had we bought uh, Andy Warhol pieces there Barry McGee Sage Vaughan another artist that we've represented before Richard Hamilton of course uh, Jeff Coons we had a lot of blue chip art that also put us on the map because Forbes obviously you heard of Forbes they've done a big write-up of, of us which was never planned uh, which was amazing because as soon as you see someone like Forbes do a write-up of you, we didn't pay for it, it wasn't a PR sort of stunt, they literally wrote a, an article about us, it took our brand from here up to here and then we got started getting a lot of inquiries and then many years after that <clears throat> we've done a few shows here in, in, in our private studio, uh, we've done the collaborations and we've ended up getting into Vogue, as I mentioned Forbes, GQ, Huffington Post, Wall Street International, even The Standard and basically from you know a couple of guys that had no real sort of background in art and no let's say let's say the typical qualification you know what we just got passionate we had a bit of guidance we obviously made some mistakes along the way it's, it's, a, it's a given um, but we will learn from their mistakes and now I feel like we've got a fairly good brand and the plans that we've got now for the future we're gonna have an online shop we're gonna be doing um, we're gonna be working with some uh, emerging artists as well we're gonna do collaborations we're gonna do merchandise we're gonna do collectibles but then always in the background, our bread and butter will be the investment grade art, which is predominantly Richard Hamilton. Okay, so you, you mentioned there Richard uh, Hamilton, and, and that's something uh, that I want to focus on for a minute, because uh, you, you mentioned before we started recording that he has been your most successful artist yeah. in terms of the pieces that your investors have invested in. Mm -hmm. What do the sort of... Um, the returns look like through some of the pieces have you, have you got any particular pieces that you can give uh, investors an idea so they can sort of visualize where that piece has come from uh, you know what uh, was particularly unique about it and then you know how that progressed through to uh, being sold down the line at some point yeah so I would say um, if someone's coming into the the market for the first time or they're, they're let's say a, a passive art collector or investor they typically would buy what I call the bread and butter of Hamilton works which is uh, Shadowheads um, a bit of background about the shadow men or shadow heads he got his inspiration from the, 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 the kind of unsettled scene in New York back in the 70s and 80s a lot of crime drugs prostitution there was gangs there was violence there was shootings and all of that factored into his art and what he done when he went from the streets of New York onto canvas he would make smaller pieces which is basically shoulder height and it would be the shadow heads in actual fact just behind the cameraman now is is uh, one of the shadow heads when we first started selling them, we were selling probably between about four to 8,000, depending mm. on size, year, quality, etc. Those same heads today are selling between 40, 50, 60,000. I've actually seen one gallery, uh, actually in London, advertising for up to 80,000 now. Now, even if you went conservative and you bought one for five or six grand and you were now selling it on the open market for 45, 50,000, which is very, very common, um, 
pretty good return. That's the kind of entry level, the higher end of the market. Um, I've sold pieces over 600,000. Um, there, there, there are auctions to demonstrate that pieces are going now for 550,000 in Phillips, which only happened last year. And, and even though that was a wonderful piece, it was a blue wave uh, painting, very similar to that, that work down there, a landscape, but it was bigger blue. Um, it was from 1985, which is prime year to collect Hamilton's work, but it's not necessarily the most recognizable piece from Hamilton, something like that, which is a standing shadow man, is more iconic. But what I'm trying to get at is even the pieces which are deemed less kind of in the public domain on the public eye, as far as his iconic works are concerned, they're fitting 550,000 now. And this is only the beginning. I kid you not, this is only the beginning. There's no guarantees, but history re will, will repeat itself. And his predecessors, you know, Jean-Michel Basquet, one of his pieces in 1984, what's that, 30 odd years ago, uh, got sold in auction for uh, $19,000. In 2017, that same piece come up in auction, it got sold for $110.5 million. Now, if I told you back then, buy a piece for $19,000, because you're going to sell it in 2017 for $110.5 million, what would you honestly say? Mm. You say, Steve, you what are you smoking? Mm. You know, you're, it's crazy, you know, it's too good to be true. Well, that's happened. And what many art experts, critics, art lovers, fans of Hamilton work, or people just immersed in the art market, they're, they're saying Hamilton's gonna be next. And um, I think, you know, if you look at Subbis, Phillips, Christie's, Bonhams, they're all proving that it, it keeps them going up every single year. So, so investors at this, <coughs> this point, they're sort of looking maybe get, to get into the, the art market. Do you think the, uh, you know, which strategy do you think would be the, the most effective? Looking for the next Richard Hamilton or taking um, pieces from Richard Hamilton um, at the higher levels in the expectation of the next leg up? Or do you think sort of trying to find the, the next artist? Which one do you think would be the most consistent way um, of, of seeing a return from that? I think really good question i think or a good good comparison which a lot of people can relate to is a bit like property so jean-michel basquiat keith harring andy warhol picassos that is almost like buying property in chelsea or mayfair you know glamorous proper properties phenomenal but you're in the heart of london it's going to cost you an absolute bomb in order to, mm. to buy one of these properties would i say personally it's a great investment for a first-time property investor to buy in heart of mayfair it depends on their scenario, mm. but for me, you, you're, going to be, you're going to be buying something very expensive in the hope that it's going to get even more expensive as time goes on. For me, that could be a little bit risky. Now, if you buy in the suburbs of London, you know, uh, maybe, you know, in, in different, in different uh, counties and stuff, you know, which is a stone far away from London, you know, a 45 minute train journey, for example, um, those are the next areas, I believe, as, as the population moves out a bit, they're gonna start rising up. So how does that relate to, 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 to the art market? Well, ha Hamilton is kind of like, you know, let's say it was a property in the suburbs. It's now getting that injection of capital, which has been needed to start pushing up his market. Supply and demand's come into the, the equation. You know, he's not painting no more, so therefore there's the, the demand. The financial interests from large galleries, art agencies, art dealers who have put so much time and effort, including us, into his market that they must make sure it goes up. So I think he's definitely undervalued and I think that 
I've done a few uh, podcast stroke YouTube uh, video con con content recently and I've, I, I, with my team, our team, um, and uh, we, we've discovered that there, there is a five year window roughly after these artists pass away, their, their market is kind of un undervalued and then it suddenly just shoots up. And we're, we're, we're in about a two and a half year uh, time period into, the, you know, into that five year sort of uh, slot where Hamilton is, is, has passed away. I think the artists after that, we, look, we don't hold ourselves out to be the art experts, like we know everything, because I think that's almost impossible. We've concentrated only on a few key artists from a certain genre, which is street art. We, we, we're passionate about street art, we can relate to it. Um, we're affiliated with a, a clothing company called Dark Circle, clothing streetwear company, and, uh, a clothing, clothing brand, and, um, when we looked at street art, it was just so us, you know, we, it, it just resonated with us. So that's why we found it, we found a passion inside sort of art dealing and, and promoting these artists. Looking at Hamilton, I believe he's gonna be the next, you know, next king uh, coming out of um, the street art movement. But then after that, we're probably gonna start looking more closely again at Days, a guy called Christopher Ellis, but he goes by the artist name called Days. There's another artist who's affiliated to him called Crash. There is um, a few other key artists like LA2, who is uh, featured in the Richard Hamilton documentary, who's also a street artist. There's Out Diaz, there's a, there's a few key players, um, all affiliated from the street art scene, all affiliated with each other, all created that genre, and I feel, feel they're all quite undervalued. Okay, so <coughs> what are the sort of key elements um, to a piece of art or, or, or an artist uh, that would make them undervalued at, at, at this point in time. What I mean, what should investors be looking for in terms of sort of key triggers, um, you know, key signs for an early an early artist that may have not been established, but we could see that in the future. What are the sort of key early signs um, and what are the sort of things that you think you, an investor could do to reduce the risk because you know not not every artist is going to have the success of Richard Hamilton um, so what can people do to look for to make sure they've got the best chance of, of picking uh, the, the potential next Richard Hamilton or, or, or Banksy or whatever it, it may be so as far as an investor's concerned because I, I ask clients collectors uh, buyers this same question are you buying it for the sheer love and look and passion of it or are you buying it to invest and make money or safeguard your money in this downturn or is it a bit of a mixture if we're just talking about the financial gains point of view uh, to mitigate any kind of risk because everything's got a risk attached to it you could have even the best artist in the world that has ticked every single box and you can still lose money so don't get it confused there's no such thing as a guarantee however how you can minimize it and how you can almost get a, a fairly sure sort of understanding where it's going to go is by three questions. Number one is the artist backed by a recognised gallery. Number two is the artist backed by a recognised art dealer, art family, art collector. Number three is it backed by a recognised art muse uh, museum. And I think that if you've got the answer to all three, you've got quite a solid, sure kind of investment um, opportunity. Mm -hmm. If it's two, if it's one, it obviously gets diluted. Yeah. Now, people have made money from artists that have never been in any of those things. And, you know, overnight almost, it looks like they've gone from nothing to, to somebody. Zero to hero, as people say. Mm -hmm. um, and that can happen. And I think with the, with the era of the internet, social media especially, the benefit that we've got now is we can push artists 
whether that's fashion artists, whether that is canvas sculptures, uh, people that do uh, sculptures, um, music artists, people can get founded literally from the internet. I mean, we've all heard the, the fascinating story about Justin Bieber got picked up by Usher and now he's you know, turned into a household name. Mm-hmm. Um, artists can be very, very similar to that. But I think rather than getting too excited immediately and then suddenly buying it, you know, uh, just, just because you got so excited by, by, by the way it looks, do your research, number one, but number two, look at, are they backed by a recognized gallery? Are they backed by a recognized art collector, dealer, family? Or are they backed by a recognized uh, museum? And I think if you've got all three, um, again, look at your own finances. Obviously don't stretch yourself, but if you are in a position, it might be something to consider. Okay, so in terms of the trends that you're seeing at the moment, there's, there's obviously a, a broad church of street arts. I mean, within that, what are the sort of key trends that, you, that you're seeing that are you know, firstly producing the, uh, the biggest returns at the moment, but also ones that you're starting to see maybe at the grassroots of art becoming um, a, a, a sort of new uh, potential um, theme within street art? So, um, street art, so the way I'm going to answer that is this. My, my mentor used to say to me, if you're ever going to buy into art, try and buy the people that created the movement in their genre. So, for example, um, there was a movement many years ago called Modern Art. It's obviously still around, but it's not, there isn't any more sort of being produced. Um, the main person that started that movement was Picasso. Everyone knows who Picasso is, very, very famous artist. I think he must be in the top three most searched artists in the world. Mm. Had we bought Picasso many years ago when he was undervalued, today those pieces are worth an absolute fortune and you and I could retire off to the sunset and also we could retire you know, our kids off into mm. the sunset because the amount of money they're worth now. The movement after that was pop art. There's a few people that started that movement. Um, I would say the most common one uh, people reference is Andy Warhol. Uh, again, had we bought an Andy Warhol, we'd be absolutely laughing today. The movement after that, which was quite affiliated to pop art, is street art. You had three main guys that started it, Jean-Michel Basquiat, Keith Harry, and Richard Hamilton. The International Herald Tribune, which is a, a New York paper, in 1983 wrote an article about this new wave and love for street art. They said if you were to buy a, a Jean-Michel Basquiat back then in 1983, you would be paying about $10,000. If you were to acquire a Richard Hamilton or a Haring, you'd be paying 15000 And out of the three, the only one they chose to reference was Richard Hamilton's uh, Standing Shadow Man. Uh, the irony today is Jean-Michel Basquiat has gone to $110.5 million, even though he was the least kind of recognised, least collected one out of the, out the three. Um, and then Haring's work, you can be expected to pay 10, 20 million upwards for one of his good masterpieces. Um, one of the reasons why Hamilton hasn't got to that level is for two factors. One, he didn't conform with the art market. He didn't do things for fame, money. Uh, he didn't do it to be cool. He, he, done it, he, he painted just to, for the sheer love of being an artist, and that's why so many people adored, adored him. The second point, um, he didn't die. <laughs> you know, the best career move, unfortunately, uh, which is reality um, uh, what a, uh, an artist can make, is when they par- pass away and when they pop their clogs. Now, with that in being said, um, street, street art is kind of a pocket inside a bigger movement, which is above it, which is contemporary art. Now, contemporary art what wavers over street art. There's also other references like urban art, um, contemporary street art. You know, there's a couple of different variations of that. 
you've also got artists who are living today who are doing some absolutely amazing things obviously Banksy is one of them but then you've got Jeff Koons you've got Damien Hirsch you've got Cause and these are this is kind of like a new wave of artists um, I'm not, they're fantastic artists but they direct a lot of the time as well they do mm -hmm. some they do stunts they do kind of crazy models they do sculptures they do toys and you, we are seeing a lot of the younger demographic collect those because they're cool, quite funky, and they're fetching some very, very huge auction results. So okay. yeah, they're, they're the kind of people to look out for. Okay, too. so the, the street art is, is fitting in more into a broader church again of contemporary art. I mean, is there, you mentioned there back in 1983, uh, first references were starting to be made to uh, street art, and here we are 30 years later. What are you sort of seeing at the moment, which could be the next street art, which is at this very, uh, very much its infancy at the moment, uh, which which falls within that broader church of contemporary art that could possibly have the same sort of trajectory as street art did from sort of 1983 up to where we are now. You know, it's it's hard to tell where the market is going to go, but I can't see. I mean, look, if you if I were to ask you right now, who's the top two or three artists that pop into your brain, even if you've got no art background, you're going to definitely say in there Banksy, yeah. and people adore Banksy. One because how creative he is. Two because he's elusive, and and three like. Remember, it was only last year, I believe, where someone bought a piece uh, in auction and then suddenly got shredded in half. Yeah. You know, them kind of stunts is, people like experiences now. It's not just about buying art, it's about the experience. Part of what we do here at Woodbury House, we want to give people an experience. And also a chance for people that may not have 50 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand to buy an original piece, but want to buy a part of Richard Hamilton's history. We do collaborations, we do mer merchandise collectibles, and they can own that as something to put away in maybe in years, years, a few years' time. That also could be worth a bit of money. But going back to your question, you know, there are a lot of street artists today who are fairly young, who are making a name for themselves. I had a, uh, a guy on my podcast called Nathan Bowen, who's done some fantastic stuff in suburbs of London, also in the heart of London. Um, he's really been a big supporter support of the NHS as well during this kind of COVID time, which is, I think is fantastic. There's another artist that I personally really adore, very, very simple, which is called Stick, S-T-I-K. Um, also, he was homeless and he used to paint predominantly streets of uh, shortage. He's also done some murals for the NHS. And basically, I think he uses six kind of pencil-like uh, sort of uh, like outline of a, of a figure to make this kind of stick human. And um, fantastic stuff. But now his, his pieces are fetching a good amount of money in, in, um, in auction. I actually asked him, um, I think back in the last year, how much would a commission piece you know, cost me? He said, you're looking probably minimum about 40,000. Now I remember those pieces, you know, only a few years ago were less than 10,000. So that, that gives you a bit of a gauge how, how under demand people like he, he is now. And I would say this, Banksy, people like Stick, people like any of these modern street artists, a lot of them will know who Hamilton is and many of them would say that Hamilton gave them the inspiration, motivation and a slight education or a mentorship from afar to go off for them to go off and, and, and craft and shape their own kind of career. Okay, so you, you mentioned uh, COVID-19, 
Uh, how have you found the art market and in particular how has Woodbury House found the, the <coughs> art market during COVID-19? What, what's that been looking like? Um, part of it is frustrating, part of it is fantastic and I'll tell you why. The frustrating thing is the experiences. Um, we wanna, we don't, we're not a brand which just says buy a bit of art, thank you and that's it. We like to get their pieces into major publications, you know, the Forbes, the Huffington Post, the Wall Street Internationals, you know, the, the you know, any any of the prime uh, publications to build up the profile. We also like to make content around it, so we do YouTube videos. We might talk to, to do a podcast on it. We also then put them into shows, and the clients who've invested into that piece, bought that piece, would like to come along, you know, be a part of the show, bring their friends along. You know, and, and it's really quite a nice experience and it, it, it's just fun and it just feels nice. Um, that part of it's completely come to a halt. But the other side of it, um, which is the, let's say, art trading, um, I've got to tell you, it's flourishing because right now the stock market is down. You've got the interest rates, as far as the Bank of England's concerned, have brought them down again. And we are still seeing historic lows of interest rates. And that means people, in theory, are losing money because the inflation rate compared to interest, you know, their money is eroding away every single day. And no matter what they say to themselves, that's a fact, they're losing money in the bank. Um, also, people a little bit still battered and bruised from the 2008 downturn, the, you know, the subprime mortgage lending scenario where we had this great almost this depression and, and people are a little bit fearful if we go into a bigger aggressive slump with this COVID-19 scenario who knows another bank could go under it's quite possible we never believed that Lehman Brothers going to go under back then but they did Bradford and Bingley Northern Rock there's so many examples of that so people now are becoming a lot more open-minded and they want to look at other areas not necessarily to make loads of money um, a friend of mine used to say this to me, every pound saved is like a pound made in a recession. So what people now are doing is looking to park their money in other places. I think people are telling me about classic cars. Some of them are going up quite well. You mentioned fine wine. I know certain Bordeaux fine wines from certain, certain chateaus are going up. And then definitely art. Art is definitely a place. Now, art is very, very broad. You've got to narrow it down to certain genres, I believe, because certain genres are not going to do so well. And other genres, such as uh, street art and, and specifically Hamilton is thriving. I think Hamilton's thriving because there is a kind of a recession or a looming recession, so people are looking for other places to put their money. Hamilton has just died in the last couple of years, so people's, people are waking up to the fact that he's not going to paint anymore and the urgency is kicking in. That's driving things up. And I think street art anyway is just such a popular area at the moment. Rappers are talking about it, singers are singing about it, People are producing songs around certain street artists and also the culture of it. Um, even street food and street art and street, you know, everything. It, it all kind of combines under this kind of movement and this kind of culture. And it go, it's going off of the, one of your previous questions. I think it's here to stay and I think it's only going to grow, grow stronger. I can't see it slowing down. Um, so, yeah, I think I hope that sort of answer, answers your question now. Okay, so. Just to sort of wrap things up, if somebody's uh, listening to this and they're thinking about, yeah, this, this sounds like, uh, you know, a potential um, choice for them in terms of their portfolio, but they are a little bit sceptical because uh, I don't have the experience there. Um, what would you say are 
the biggest pitfalls to try and avoid when investing in art or starting an art collection? What, what are the things that um, really do hurt returns over the long term because they make mistakes at the beginning? What are the things to people to avoid to, uh, to kick off their art portfolio? Um, I reference it very similar to, to property again because I've got a bit of pa passion for property as well and I think when I first got into property the mentor I had said don't use a sc scattergun gun approach and I said what do you mean? He said well try and buy a property in London, try and buy a property in Manchester, try and buy something in Newcastle, then try and buy something in Kent. He said because you won't get to know the area and I thought that was really good advice and I stuck at one area and kind of sort of learnt that area first and then once you've got confidence and a bit of expertise then you can venture into other sides and I think that that um, education then a bit of advice is transferable into art to a certain level I think if you can look at a certain genre get to know it inside out and become as far as as close as you can to an expert as humanly possible you're always going to learn so there's no such thing as a complete expert but very very okay with that market I think you're going to know the risks as well as, well as the upsides if you learn 20% of modern art 20% of pop art 20% of street art you probably know enough to feel confident to buy but you don't know enough to know the, the downsides I think when you get 100% knowledge or as close as you can in one sector you can mitigate your risk and also if you're buying up for the first time listen I'm in sales and I'm in marketing and I will stand by sales people to the day I die because without sales nothing happens the world doesn't turn you could have the best brand the best best invention in the world the best uh, company the best idea but nothing happens to that idea unless you've got someone selling it for you or unless you've got a sales sort of formula and system but let's be fair, anyone can, you know, if someone, I could bring up a new artist tomorrow and tell you all the glorious stuff about them, but I won't, might not necessarily tell you about the downsides. Yeah. So before you get too excited and just buy something, do your own research. You know, just do your own research. Go and visit, um, go and visit the, 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 the studio, go and visit the gallery, go and visit the art dealer and, and really get to know them as, as you know, from, from, a, from a personal point of view. Over time, as you start to build up a collection, then you know some of our clients now, they live on the other side of the world. They don't, they don't have a chance to come here. But we either try and do a Zoom call with them, uh, we get them and try and get hit them here once, or we go and visit them at their own property or their business or whatever, or we invite them to our shows and you know we get them to follow us on social media so they become familiar with us. And then over time, that trust you know is there. So I would say do your own research um, and definitely learn a genre learn the ups as well as the downs and then you'll be a lot more informed to, to, to decide whether this is for you or not for you okay fantastic so you, you mentioned there um, social media but what's uh, the best way people to get in touch with you if they've got further questions um so we are in soho in archer street so this is our uk presence um the company's actually formed in dubai with our director over there um but if you're over here uh, Artistry, you can actually contact us on uh, Woodbury House, um, the Instagram, or our website. Um, yeah, just like many brands, we've got the whole sort of social media channels. Okay, fantastic. Cool. Well, Steve, thank you very much for today. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks. Thank you.